0: Christian Parent Crazy World with Catherine Seegers is brought to you by Life Audio and is part of our Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational, faith-affirming podcasts, visit lifeaudio.com. Welcome.
1: Welcome. To Christian Parent Crazy World, the podcast that tackles tough topics to help you raise godly kids in an ungodly world. I'm your host, Catherine Seegers, and today's episode tackles this vital question: What are the four types of prayer every believer and especially every parent should know? Now, I know, I know, I said I was gonna teach you in this episode how to battle for your kids in prayer. And And I am teaching you that in this episode, actually, because I'm teaching you the four types of prayer and where we need to grow as believers in our prayer life. But it turns out that uh, accomplishing all of this in one episode was a little too much to bite off. So I'm going to break it up a little bit. I'm going to give you the teaching on prayer in this episode and then move over and show you how I applied it in the next episode. Now, I don't think there's any secret about the fact that I love apologetics. I love explaining the faith and helping parents to equip their children to stand strong in the faith. That just, that energizes me. It keeps me up at night. But there comes a time in life when we need to stop explaining and start exercising. We've got to start walking it out and applying it. That is what today's podcast is about. We're going to learn the four different types of prayer so that we can learn what kind of prayers we need to be praying when we're in a battle. Then I'm going to give you the two greatest impediments that keep us from being effective in our prayers. If if you can grasp the perspective and, and grow into this place of maturity in your prayer life, it will revolutionize your prayers and alter the course of your life. I, I don't think that I am overstating that fact. I really don't. The prayer perspective that I'm going to share with you today has certainly altered the course of my life and of my family. Our family grew from five to seven through understanding and exercising what I'm going to teach you today. Here is why it is so important. At some point in your parenting, you're going to have to go to battle for your kids or for one of your specific kids, whether like in the last podcast, when we discussed what to do if your child is not walking with the Lord or, or your child is battling an illness or they are having a a relationship problem or, or issues with addiction, you're going to have to go to war. For your child. And if you want to see God's will come to pass, prayer needs to be part of that battle. Like I said in the last episode, prayer is the central part of that battle. So we need to learn how to intercede for our children in prayer. So we're going to jump right into this today. Here's the agenda. I'm going to do a teaching in this episode on prayer where I give you the four specific types of prayer and I'm going to talk about where we we naturally excel in prayer as believers and where we need to grow as believers. As stated in the last podcast, I hope you remember this prayer warriors are not born. Mm-mm. They are formed. This is a discipline that we grow into if we choose to. And I hope That you will choose to. So I'm going to give you that teaching. And then in the next episode, I'm going to apply that teaching to my own life by sharing, sharing part of my testimony with you and show you specifically. I will show you specifically how that works. And then finally, in the next episode, I'm going to give you a conclusion that emphasizes where our focus or our perspective should always be in prayer. Sound like a plan? Sounds like a plan to me. So let's get started.
2: Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the daily family conversation starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens, Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of The Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident
1: that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth.
2: Thanks John. You heard it folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states.
1: You know, I am a grammar nerd. So, for this this lesson I'm going to give you, we're going to go back to grade school. Back in elementary school, you might recall learning that there are four purposes for a sentence. So there are four purposes for our prayers because our prayers are comprised of sentences. That makes sense, right? I think it does. So the first type of sentence, and likewise, the first type of prayer, is declarative, we, we just declare something, and, and we do this quite well. If you've ever been in a worship service and you've participated, you are declaring to God who you believe he is, his attributes, and, and how you feel about him. You are likely doing this with with a hymn or a worship song. These are declarative prayers. God, you are good. God, you are faithful. I love you, God. Thank you, God. Or if you are going old school, which, which I love, you might be praying these lyrics. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that, that saved a wretch like me. These are prayers. They are, they are declarations. And they're not so hard for us as believers. Now, sometimes we get kind of excited with our prayers of worship, and we have an exclamatory prayer. That is the second type of sentence and the second type of prayer that happens when our declarations are filled with passion, and and we cry out to God exuberantly, I love you, God. You're awesome. You're mighty. You're faithful. Thank you. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Now some of us are more passionate than than others. My my husband happens to be a pretty even-keeled kind of guy. He he stays in the declarative form of prayer and worship more and I go I go to exclamatory prayers of worship pretty quickly. I can go from like 0 to 60 in about 6 seconds flat. That doesn't mean I'm better or that my husband is better. That's just a matter of personality. But I do think that exclamatory prayer is necessary. And sometimes we need to step out of our comfort zone and show our emotions as we pray and worship. So where do we see declarative and exclamatory prayers in the Bible? Uh, Well, they're They're all throughout the psalms. Pick a psalm, any psalm, I guarantee you there's going to be some declarative and exclamatory prayers in just about every chapter. And like I said, most Christians participate in this type of prayer when you gather and worship and hopefully at home as well. I hope you do that in your home. You need to. Now, the third type of sentence and the third type of prayer is interrogative. That is a question. This one comes very naturally to all of us. God, what do I do? God, which job do I take? God, which doctor do I choose? Or which medicine do I need? Most people don't have a problem bringing their questions or their interrogative prayers to God. And we are told to do this in Scripture. James chapter 1, verse 5 tells us that if anyone lacks wisdom, they should ask God who gives liberally without reproach. I love the way the New Living Translation puts it. It says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God. and He will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. So when we don't know what we should do, Scripture tells us to ask God. And we're pretty good at this type of prayer, aren't we? Yeah, I think, I think we are. No problem there. But there is a fourth type of sentence, and therefore a fourth type of prayer. And this is where most of us need to grow. It is the imperative prayer. Now, unlike the other types of prayer, the the declarative, the exclamatory, and the interrogative, there are two types of imperative prayers. And actually, the first type comes very naturally to many of us and not so naturally to others. But the second type is where we all need to grow. The first type of imperative prayer is simply a request. Yeah, many of us are good at that, right? Regardless of how you operate now as an adult, this part of the imperative came very naturally to all of us at at a young age, as toddlers, at least a dozen times a day. My four-year-old, my six-year-old will come up to me and say, Mama, please give me a snack. Mama, please give me a treat. Mama, please read me a book. Now, sometimes... When we grow up, we want to be all self-sufficient. We don't want to ask God or or anybody for anything just because we're adults, and adults don't do that. Now, I know adults are really good at asking God for everything they need. I personally have no problem with that. But I know that some adults are all, you know, nope, I got this. I'm good. And they don't ask God for what they need. And I want to say this very lovingly, if that person is you, get over yourself. You need God. You need what he has. And what only he can do because you were designed that way. We all were. You cannot fulfill the purposes he has for your life without relying on him, without asking him for what you need. When we have a need, we need to bring it to God. We need to ask God to provide for our families and heal our bodies and to heal our relationships and to give us direction. Why? Because God tells us to. In his word, Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7 says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. And his peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we are all supposed to bring our request to God. But I want to talk to you about the other part of the imperative, the part where we all need to grow. That type of prayer is not a request. It is a command. This is where we need a perspective shift as, as believers and as parents, we need to grow into a place where we exercise our authority in Christ as we pray. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 19, Jesus is speaking to Peter and he tells Peter, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Jesus is giving Peter some keys. Keys signify authority. And two chapters later, I believe he gives those keys to all of us. The same exact verse is repeated in Matthew 18, verse 18. Only Jesus isn't talking to Peter anymore. He is talking to all the disciples. And I believe to all of us. He is telling them the same exact thing. He says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Jesus gives them, those disciples, and us, the exact same keys. Now, in the interest of full disclosure, there is a bit of a discrepancy over this passage of Scripture. Some people suggest that Matthew 18, 18 is in the context of church discipline because the section just before it is about church discipline. I don't don't think so. Because when God gave the keys to Peter two chapters earlier, it was not in that context. Jesus uses the exact same words. And then what do we see the disciples do? <laughs> well, they start casting out demons and healing people in the name of Jesus themselves. Mm-hmm. Jesus gave them some keys and they started using them. And they used those keys to turn the world upside down. It's funny. You know how how little kids love to play with keys. You get those little colorful fake keys and they won't go for them. No, no. They want the real thing. They want your keys. (laughs) That's what they want to play with. And that's fine. They can play with those keys. But I have a 16-year-old now, and I'm throwing some keys at her, and I don't want her to play with them anymore. I want her to stick them into the ignition and drive a car because she needs to learn how to do that. She's not quite there yet. I'm still in the car with her. And and often I'm still driving her to her friend's house and to work and to church. But not too long from now, maybe like, I don't know, six months or so, I don't want her to bring me those keys anymore and ask me to drive her to work or to a a friend's house or to church. I want her to drive herself. That's what keys do. They give you authority. They move you from one place to another. Now my my 13-year-old, 11-year-old, 6 and 4-year-olds, they are not ready to take those keys and drive with them. But my 16-year-old is, and that's what we're teaching her to do. So when God is giving us his keys and the word, he wants us to grow up and use them. He wants us to use the authority he has given us to bind and loose. Where else do we see this authority given to us in scripture? Many places. Luke chapter 10, verse 19 says that he has given us the authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means harm us. In Mark eleven twenty three, Jesus says that we have the authority to speak to mountains and cast them into the sea. Oh, I'm going to preach today. I'm just warning you. I'm going to preach. We have the authority to speak to mountains and cast them into the sea. And that'll happen. And in in John 14, verse 12, Jesus says that greater miracles than he did, we would do. In order to see those kind of results in prayer, (laughs) you need to use those keys. By the way, I, I put those scriptures in the list that I gave you last week. It's all on that free list of scriptures that I send when you subscribe on my website. It was titled, Scriptures to Pray When a Child Has Walked Away from the Faith. But in actuality, those scriptures are great to pray over your kids, whether they're wandering from the faith or not. And those scriptures about authority are on that list because I want you to understand your authority when you pray. God is giving you That authority. God has given us these keys and he wants us to use them. If my daughter keeps coming to me as a grown-up asking me to drive her somewhere, I'm going to do a face plant. I'm going to jingle those keys in her face and I'm going to tell her to use them herself. That is what they are there for. As believers, if we want to fulfill God's plans and purposes for our lives and for our families, we need to learn how to use
0: those keys.
1: Now I'm going to show you how to use those keys very specifically in the next podcast. But to wrap up this podcast, I want to give you the two greatest impediments that keep us from fully committing ourselves in prayer. The first impediment is that, that we know that God is sovereign and all-powerful, right? Right. So this question kind of floats around in our heads. Why does God need my prayers or, or my cooperation if he is sovereign and all-powerful? <laughs> yeah, this is a really big question. Have you ever wondered that? I could, I could do a whole podcast on this one. We, we have this mentality here on earth that God is going to do what he is going to do with or without me. But that simply isn't true. Scripture does not teach us that. In fact, it teaches us just the opposite. I, I love the way Dutch Sheets puts it in his book on prayer. This book is called Intercessory Prayer. I've mentioned it before. The subtitle is How God Can Use Your Prayers to Move Heaven and Earth. This is hands down the best book I have ever read on prayer ever, and I have read some really great books on prayer. I could not recommend a book more highly. Dutch says what we are all thinking in the very first chapter. He says, If God is going to do something regardless of whether or not we pray, then he doesn't need us to ask, and we don't need another waste of time. If it's all, que okay, sera, sera, then let's just take a siesta, and, and let's just see what happens, right? If, on the other hand, John Wesley was correct when he said, God does nothing on the earth save an answer to believing prayer, I'll lose a little sleep for that. I'll change my lifestyle for that. I'll turn the TV off, and I'll even miss a meal or two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would too, and I have, and I've seen the results. In both the Old and New Testament, we see God limiting himself based on the faithful actions of men and women here on earth. Let me give you just a couple of examples so that we have a, a scriptural foundation here. Let's, let's look at the Old Testament really quick. Here's just one example. In 2 Chronicles chapter 16, God sends the prophet Hanani to the king of Judah with a message. He tells King Asa, essentially, that that God was faithful to you, but you weren't faithful to God. And this is what the scripture says, quote, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. You have done a foolish thing. And from now on, you will be at war. That's what he said to the king. So the unfaithfulness of this one man, the king, caused the whole nation to be at war from that point on. Is that what God wanted? No. But that was his only course of action when he could not find enough faithful people to work through, to accomplish his will through. Our faithfulness Our activity here on earth and our prayers have big consequences, both good and bad. Now, where do we see this in the New Testament? Well, Jesus goes to his hometown, we're told in Matthew chapter 13, and he wanted to to heal these people. He wanted to forgive them. He wanted to set them free. But the scriptures tell us that Jesus did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. The unmistakable scriptural account leads Dutch Sheets to this conclusion. He says, quote, though God is sovereign and all-powerful, scripture clearly tells us that he limited himself concerning the affairs of the earth to working through human beings. (laughs) Oh, wow, that is a sobering thought. In other words, what happens here on earth is is just as much up to us as it is to God. Not because God isn't all powerful and sovereign, He is, but for better or worse, He has chosen to work through you and me. Now, I, I want to read you one more quote on how God works. In the earth, through human beings, from Peter Wagner. This is from his book. It's called Confronting the Powers. He says, we must understand that our sovereign God has for his own reason so designed this world that much of what is truly his will, he makes contingent on the attitudes and actions of human beings. He allows humans to make decisions that can influence history. Human inaction does not nullify the atonement, but human inaction can make the atonement ineffective for lost people. (sighs) God has chosen to act through human beings here on earth, through our cooperation with him and through our prayers. Otherwise, he would not have taught us how to pray and he would not have given us those keys. Now, I I want to be really clear about something here. The fact that God has chosen to limit himself to working through human beings does not in any way negate his sovereignty or his power, not in the least. God can work any way he wants to. And this is, according to scripture, the way he has chosen to work. He works through men and women who cooperate with him in, in action and in prayer to accomplish his will here on earth. This does not in, in any way negate his sovereignty because God will find his man or woman to work through. He will sooner or later. The question is, will that man or woman be you? The question is, Is will we see God's will fully realized in our lives and in our families and in our time? The question is, will God be able to use us? Yeah, we need to, we need to ponder those questions long and hard. Now, here is the final thing that holds us back in prayer and and this particular impediment applies to the kind of commanding and authoritative prayer I've been talking about specifically in this this podcast the uh, the imperative prayer that I that I say that we as believers need to grow into this type of commanding authoritative prayer feels impertinent it it feels presumptuous like we're telling god what to do but we aren't god has given us these keys. It's not impertinent or presumptuous to use the keys that he has given us for the very purpose that he gave them. (laughs) Actually, it's kind of impertinent not to use those keys. And we're not telling God what we want him to do. We're not trying to convince him or get him to agree with us we're telling the enemy what God wants to do. We are agreeing with God to defeat the plans of the enemy. We are cooperating with God as his representatives here on earth. And yes, in the interest of full disclosure here, sometimes we may not hear God right. So we may not be praying his will perfectly. But I think it's better to be like Peter and step out of the boat And risk falling under the water. Because if you don't take that risk, you're never going to walk on water. And you won't see that miracle. Not while sitting in the boat. The key is to always keep our eyes on Jesus. (laughs) I love what Mark Batterson says in his book, The Circle Maker. He says, God honors bold prayers because bold prayers honor God. Now, I'm going to tell you how I took that risk and walked on water and prayed some bold prayers in the next podcast with my testimony. I'm going to show you how I learned to battle in prayer. I think that this is really going to encourage you and show you how to put prayer and specifically that that type of bold, authoritative prayer into action. But until then, get out of the boat. Look straight into the eyes of Jesus. And pray some bold prayers. I want to thank you for joining me today. Look, I know there are a lot of things you could be listening to right now, and I really appreciate that you took this time to spend with me. I hope you will join me for my next podcast when we take aim at some aspect of our culture that threatens to derail our parenting and steal our kids' faith. If you enjoyed this episode of Christian Parent Crazy World, would Would you consider telling a friend and and sharing it on social media and, I don't know, giving it a good review? That would be so great. Oh, oh, and I know, maybe, maybe you could hire someone to write the letters CPCW on the side of an abandoned building. You know, like the really cool kind of graffiti. Yeah, yeah, Uh, uh, just a thought. And if you subscribe, I will be sure to send you some really cool free stuff and notify you of future podcasts, articles, and blogs. I want to end this and every episode with a word of encouragement.
2: God gave you
1: your kids, your specific kids, for a reason. That's because you hold the key to unlocking who God created them to be. We'll see you next time.
0: Christian Parent Crazy World is a production of Life Audio and the Salem Web Network. To hear more from Katherine Seegers, visit her site, katherinesegers.com. If you enjoyed this episode, would you take a minute and leave us a rating and review in your podcast app? It really does help us connect to more listeners like you. A special thanks to Kelly Gibbons, Stephen Sanders, and Stephen McGarvey for their production and editing on this episode. You can find more podcasts like this over at lifeaudio.com.
2: Hey there, it's Carly Mercouillier, host of Therapy and Theology, a weekly podcast that explores popular topics
0: and questions related to faith, feelings, and spiritual formation. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.